This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. I need details, Captain. Tell me everything about him. I'm in a lot of pain. This will help you remember. We thought we had him trapped. But he was waiting for us. Target in sight, Dino One. Extraordinary, isn't he? You knew! You knew we couldn't take him down! You knew we were no match for him! But soon we will be. This is merely one more twist of the knife to test him. Who sent you? You go, strange. I know everything about you, your darkest secret, your ultimate weakness. I know you are Bruce Wayne. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. You like the Drake? I love the Drake. What about the Drake? Screw the Drake. I love the Drake. everyone and welcome to Robin Everyone Loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast will take a chronological look at the third boy to wear the mantle of Robin, Tim Drake. We will follow his journey in the pages of the 90s 2000 ongoing Robin series and other notable comics of that era. 
We will also take a look at other Tim Drake appearances in DC Comics, new and old, to find out why everyone loves the Drake. Good for them. Love the Drake. <laughs> Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. I am your host, Rob Myers, and welcome to episode 91. This show is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, and we're part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network. And we're also associated with BatmanPodcastNetwork.com that's also associated by Batman on Film. You can get a hold of us a few different ways through Facebook at Facebook.com slash Everyone Loves the Drake. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, and you can email into the show old school at Robin ELTD podcast at yahoo.com. And we also have a YouTube page, and you can also find the show on the Batman Universe YouTube page as well. Terrence and Ryan are not here. A couple little plugs for them. You can get a hold of Ryan at SMB underscore Ryan on Twitter, and you can get a hold of Terrence at Tim's Redbird. That's T I M S R E D B I R D. So, like I said, uh, Terrence and Ryan are not here. This is a solo show. And just to give you a time perspective of when you're hearing this, this is Easter Sunday. So I knew with Ryan and I having just done the Bowling Green State University Batman Conference, which went off very well, and I'll talk a little bit about that in just a second. This last week, Ryan was at a video game conference, so... He really hadn't had a chance to edit any of the audio that he recorded at some of his panels. I've been working on the audio that I recorded at my panels. And with it also being Easter, now that everybody's home, you know, everybody's doing family things, uh, celebrating Easter or the different uh, variations that they may be celebrating or just taking the holiday off. So I knew there wasn't going to be a way to get Terrence and or Ryan onto the show and try and cram something in. I wanted to have the BG conference be its own thing. So that is going to be episode 92, probably in a couple of weeks. And I apologize that some of our other TBU uh, podcasters, such as Batgirl to Oracle, she just released a three hour <laughs> podcast on Bowling Green. So I've been starting to listen to some of that. She's got some great things to say on that. Uh, there have been some other podcasts that have come around, uh, been released about BG, but don't worry. Ryan and I will be uh, talking about uh, the Bowling Green State University Batman Conference and the podcast is also going to tie into Batman on film since I, Rob, did a Tim Drake panel by myself. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, Ryan was not on that panel. The panels he did are going to be for Batman on film. So we're going to have a crossover episode with Batman on film. So when you listen to this one or you listen to Batman on films, BG episode, we'll tell you to, hey, go check out Batman on film. Well, they'll say, go check out Robin. Everyone loves a Drake to hear the continuation of Ryan and I's adventure together uh, being at Bowling Green. It was in my backyard, essentially about 40 minutes away from where I live. And then Ryan came all the way from South Carolina to this. So it was a lot of fun, but I didn't want another week to go by and there not be a show released. 
because, you know, we started getting some more notices from people about the podcast. And I wanted to make sure there was some podcast available for new listeners and just for you guys that have been so patient uh, waiting for new episodes. I released an episode for Everyone Loves Young Justice. And like an idiot, I released an episode with no music whatsoever. There was no intro music. There was no outro music. There was no music underneath a synopsis of what we had done. I didn't save the file right, so I'm in the process of re-upping that episode over there. I remember Dustin sending me an email that says, hey, you forgot to put the TBU bumper in the episode. And I'm like, I, I know I did. I saved the completed file in a wrong location and had just the discussion portion with Jay and I, it, it was a whole thing. So hopefully that'll be rectified here in just a week or so. So if you were following Twitter, this episode, I basically threw it out to you guys, the listeners to vote on this, knowing that it was, you know, Easter Sunday that um, when I'm recording this, that I thought, okay, what is something that I can review and talk about in a shorter length of time because I do want to have an episode out for everyone, but I didn't I didn't want to continue on in the Robin continuity book that we're talking about with it being the underworld event started. I know Terrence and Ryan want to talk about that. We're gonna throw in some other underworld events that are in there. So I thought we ought to wait for Terrence and Ryan so we could talk about that properly. So I thought, well, I've got a couple things. We have the Walmart 100-page uh, giant that DC is still churning out. I've got two issues of those ready. And I thought it'd be really kind of cool to revisit Arkham. And I'd been talking to a friend of mine about the Arkham video games, and I thought, you know, I really did like that comic series. And I thought, you know, there's a short little one issue story that features Tim Drake, you know, pretty prominently in the issue. So that might be fun. So I put it up to you guys, the listeners. And on Twitter, it came down to a 50-50 tie. <laughs> I was watching, there was like 40 votes for the uh, two issues. And uh, luckily, I had put it also on Facebook and on Instagram. So because of the tie on Twitter, it went to Instagram and Facebook to cast the final vote. So there were 13 extra votes for Arkham Unhinged. So that is what we are doing. We're going to go clear back to 19, or excuse me, 19, geez. We're going to go back to 2013, back when, if you look at the top of this book, if you have it, the movie that is coming out in theaters and IMAX on 6-14-13 is Man of steel. So if you go back into your head, we are just a couple years into the new 52 and the DCEU is just getting ready to start, but we knew nothing of Batman versus Superman, no Wonder Woman, no Aquaman, no Shazam, Suicide Squad. None of that was starting, but uh, the Man of Steel was getting ready to hit theaters. And oh my, how the world was going to change as far as DC films go. But that's not what we're talking about. We're going to go back just a few years to one of my favorite video games and a lot of people's video games of all time if you're a Batman fan. This really changed the landscape of video games, and I've got my Arkham Encyclopedia here that we're going to go through, and we're going to talk about the Arkham video games, but more importantly, we're going to talk about this is written by uh, Derek Friedoffs, and it is titled Arkham Unhinged. We're going to pause really quick for a couple promos, and when we come back, we will get into the synopsis and then the discussion for Arkham Unhinged 15. And welcome 
to the show. There's a place where you can light the fire and watch it burn. Lay it down and lose it all. It's taken me so far beyond the point of no return. Gave all that I had when hope was gone. Hope was gone. Is this real or is it just another crazy dream? That someday soon will fade away. Feels just like I'm underwater and can barely breathe. Tagging in the bed. Ten years ago, a crashing wave of light erupted across the DC Universe. A multicolored spectrum of energy bathed the cosmos in a war of light. Rage clashed against passion. Hope sought to stifle fear. Greed to choke out compassion. And in the middle of it all, the will to keep going and fight for all. Now this war has come to the surface of our planet. Because while the light fights, the darkness rises. Hero, villain, friend, foe, family. Across the universe, the dead have risen, and it's going to take every available podcaster to fight back. In 2016, we covered the dawn of the Justice League with Justice League Year One. In 2017, we soaked in the seminal justice. Last year, we threw it back to the Silver Age. But this year's JLMA podcast event covers an event that knows not the boundaries of death itself. 
JL May covers Blackest Night in celebration of the event's 10-year anniversary. Our coverage begins on April 30th with the podcast of OA and proceeds through the entire month of May with Chris and Reggie's Cosmic Treadmill, The Idol Head of Diablo, The Fire and Water Podcast, Head Speaks, Coffee and Comics Podcast, Longbox Crusade, Waiting for Doom, Task Force X, The Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour, The Dr. DC Podcast, The Birds of Prey Podcast, Justice's First Dawn, and ends with the Lantern Cast. So join us this May, because across the DC Universe, the dead have risen. Where will you be? All right, there were a couple promos, so let's take a look at Batman Arkham Unhinged 15. Before we do that, I always like to go to Mike's Amazing World of Comics, mikesamazingworld.com, a great resource where you can find out about all the resources and all the information inside the comics that you own. So the information from Mike's Amazing World goes as follows for Batman Arkham Unhinged 15. The cover date is August 2013. The on-sale date was June 12, 2013, and the cover price is a whopping $3.99. We don't get a lot of $3.99 book on this show currently in our 90s 2000 Tim Drake comic podcast timeline, but I digress. Uh, The editor is Jim Chadwick. The title is Uninvited Guest. And this is featured, this is the first time we've seen this, DCNU. So this is not in continuity, and the DCNU is for other types of you know video games and offshoots and out of continuity. The writer is Derek Friedoffs, and the artist is David Farbery. I'm always mispronouncing these names. The letter is Travis Lehman. The colorist is Alejandro Sanchez. The assistant editor is Sarah Gatos, and the senior editor is Jim Chadwick. And the cover credits go to Eric Nguyen. All right, and now the synopsis for Arkham Unhinged 15, Uninvited Guests. Moments before Protocol 10 is activated, Hugo Strange is making his final preparations. He is inspecting the Tiger Guards piloting the helicopters that will start a bombing run on Arkham City. They are to attack each key location, starting with the Bowery, then move to the museum, the courthouse, and then on to the factory, and then continuing through the rest of the key locations in Arkham City. Once the pilots have their orders, Strange moves to the processing center to tie up some loose ends with Captain Vincent Garrett. And we know him from the teaser trailer that Hugo Strange is interrogating when Arkham City was first announced in the video games. So there's that bit of a little trivia, so on with the synopsis. Let's just say that Hugo Strange tells him that he has outlived his usefulness. We know what that means. Hugo Strange leaves the processing center and makes his way to the top of Wonder Tower, the center of Arkham City, and the stronghold of Hugo Strange, where he can watch with great delight as the filth and villainy are wiped from the face of Gotham City once and for all. And he will be commended by his master, Rachel Go, for his great work and will ascend to take his master's place. Yeah, right. Strange gives the orders to take the prisoners to the execution chamber and wait further orders. Hugo Strange is standing on top of the observation deck of Wonder Tower and smells the brisk air as he is about to watch the attack chopters lift off the ground headed towards their final destination to begin the bombing run. The Batman 
Bruce Wayne can no longer stop him, and he has dealt with him for the last time due to an explosion under a large pile of rubble. Once Gotham City has been taken care of, new campuses will pop up across the globe in Keystone, Coast City, Metropolis, three locations planned with many, many more on their way. This is just the beginning. Strange continues to broadcast in the monitor in Batman's cow that he hacked, telling him how he figured out who he really was, and how everything Batman has tried to do will be a set in flames tonight. This has been a part of the plan all along. Batman was unable to do for Gotham what needed to be done. Now Strange is taking the fight home to Bruce Wayne's home, Wayne Manor. Protocol 9 is now in effect. The assault on Wayne Manor has begun. Unbeknownst to Strange, at this moment, Batman has escaped the pile of rubble that he was under with help from Catwoman and has begun to ascend the long climb to the top of Wonder Tower to Hugo Strange. This ends tonight. The Tiger Guards move swiftly through the Batcave, leaving no stone unturned. The guards do not see a wingding that's Robin's version of the Batarang in the Arkham universe. Go with it. Wingding flies through the air and hits a red button in front of the giant T-Rex, causing it to activate, making the giant animatronic creature roar. This gives Robin the distraction he needs. He grabs his bow staff and vaults over the head of the Tiger Guards and lands on top of another cluster of them. It's Robin's job to protect the Batcave in Bruce's absence, and he will not let Bruce down. Of course, making a few quips along the way. Robin uses the giant penny to use his coverage as he activates a few more traps in the cave, such as the giant Joker playing card, causing it to crash down on a number of guards. Robin notices a group of guards heading towards the stairs. Alfred. Robin leaps across the bank of computers to ward off as many as he can as he quickly heads towards the stairs. Robin is quickly outnumbered. They begin to punch and kick the boy Wonder. Robin can't fight them off fast enough before he is taken down and thrown down a flight of stairs. Robin is way over his head. Then suddenly, Nightwing appears at the bottom of the steps. Dick asks Tim if he could use a hand. Tim says, you sure could have helped sooner. Nightwing does just that. Dick says aloud, simulation and program. The Tiger Guards vanish. Robin was running a training simulation, trying to beat Dick Grayson's score. Before the two can discuss the program any farther, alarms begin to sound off in the cave. This is not a simulation. This is the real thing. Hugo Strange's Tiger Guards have stormed Wayne Manor. Robin and Nightwing will now have to put their training to test for real to protect the manor and stop access to the Batcave. In the manor, Alfred is attending to, well, you know, Wayne Manor. When the front doors blow open, tear gas and explosions can be heard upstairs. Items in the manor are being smashed and the smell of fire begins to break out. Before Alfred can crawl to safety, Robin and Nightwing swoop in and grab Alfred. The trio escape to a small secret passage to begin to plan an attack. Once the plan is set, Robin and Nightwing head out and begin to button mash their way through the manor, taking out each of the groups of the unwanted guests in the manor. If this were a game, they would probably be awarded some kind of experience points along the way to add new gadgets as you would learn expertise. Video game. Got it. Okay. Even Alfred gets in on the action with one of Nightwing's Escremist sticks as he takes out a guard. 30 minutes later, and a dignified phone call later, the GCPD and the SWAT team arrive at Wayne Manor to pick up Strange's Tiger Guards. Commissioner Gordon has had enough of Hugo Strange and Arkham City. This has gone on far too long. Strange is now attacking upstanding Gotham citizens. 
Bullock asked why Arkham soldiers would be attacking Wayne Manor. Alfred states that maybe it's because Master Wayne is still inside of Arkham City, and they thought this would be an easy target. Gordon states that this has gone on long enough, and he storms off and heads out towards Arkham City to get answers, even if that means he has to knock down walls to do it. Arkham City has to be stopped. Meanwhile, Batman has scaled the top of Wonder Tower and is now face-to-face with Hugo Strange. Tonight, this ends one way or another. All right, there was the synopsis, and I wrote it a little bit longer just in case uh, some of you uh, maybe have not bought any of these issues, or if you did, that's cool for the podcast. But I thought if you're just wanting to kind of listen to the overall gist of the story, I thought rather than have a little condensed synopsis, I thought, yeah, let's just embellish it a little bit more so you get the whole feel of the issue. Now, before I go into discussing the issue a little bit here, I want to introduce my uh, co-host. And (laughs) that sound that you're hearing is me tapping on my Batman Arkham Universe, the ultimate visual guide. So since I don't have Terrence and Ryan, I need some other words from quote unquote, something or somebody else. And uh, I've always been a sucker for these books. And DK is the the publishing company that does a lot of these. They do a lot of visual history uh, stuff. I've got a visual history of uh, DC Comics, uh, the visual history of Batman. I'm usually a sucker for buying these. It's very much like a a dictionary, more like an encyclopedia uh, that gives you facts and little factoids and a little bit of history on the characters. And uh, they produced this one shortly after Arkham Knight, uh, the video game, was released. So they left the identity of the Arkham Knight still vague. It's list him says uh, real name unknown, occupation unknown, height unknown, etc, etc. Just because as close as this was coming out, they didn't want it to spoil uh, who the Arkham Knight was, but I think a lot of us could figure out it was spoilers Jason Todd if you if you didn't know. So I really dig the Arkham universe. I've been asked a few times, you know, what's your favorite version of Batman? My go-to answer would be, oh, the Chuck Dixon uh, universe of characters when he was writing, uh, Norm Brayfogle, Alan Grant. But I really dug and sunk my teeth in, uh, dug my heels, sunk my teeth, you know what I mean, into the Arkham video games. I didn't buy, the first game I played was Arkham City first, and then I bought uh, Arkham Asylum second. So I kind of went backwards and then with the Arkham Knight. Now, the Arkham Asylum was kind of sort of keeping on the current continuity of Batman for all that we really knew at the time. So in those moments of the video game, you could have been reading current DC continuity and knowing, oh, this is just the universe of Batman that we're currently living in. Barbara Gordon was not Batgirl at this point. She was Oracle. There was really no mention of Robin at all. I think there might have been a hint to the death of Jason Todd in Arkham Asylum to to some point uh, the Joker would you know make a reference about uh, Robin or something like that. But it wasn't until Arkham City that they really cemented themselves in like this is going to be our own universe because by the time Arkham City arrives and like I said the Arkham Unhinged book is dated 2013 so at this point we're two years into the new 52 so 
in the new 52, Tim Drake is not Robin. Robin is Damian Wayne. Tim Drake is Red Robin with the glider wings and all of that. But Rocksteady, I think, while the game was being developed and conceived as far as the Arkham City version goes, Tim Drake was still very much Robin. So Rocksteady made the conscious decision that we want our universe Robin to be Tim Drake. I think that just fit better for their narrative. So that was really fun being a Tim Drake fan that I was getting Tim Drake back as Robin again in some form or fashion. Now they did a little nod to giving Tim a hood. He had a shaved head and that threw some people off of the it was almost too much on the nose. Some people called him, you know, Eminem Robin from the Eminem music video with his haircut. That is explained in a story in issue five, I believe. And I'm uh, quickly looking at my phone here. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Issue six of Arkham Unhinged. It is Tim Drake infiltrating the Penguins fight club, essentially. So he ends up shaving his head, puts on some fake temporary tattoos And in Arkham City, Batman didn't want any of the allies in Arkham City. So while he was in Arkham City, the rest of the allies could be patrolling and servicing the greater part of Gotham. But Tim, of course, does what he needs to, goes into Arkham City in disguise to infiltrate the Penguins Fight Club. So that's the reason why Tim Drake has a shaved head. And for me, this is just a different universe. So why not be able to play with the characters a little bit and have some fun. So I'm going to read through some of the characters that appear in this story, their bio, as far as the Arkham universe, and we'll kind of look at a couple other things that I have earmarked here. So since Tim and Nightwing are the two primary heroes of the story, and the first half of the story, as you heard, is really a a Hugo Strange-led narrative, but uh, let me open up the... Get my co-host awake here. So the allies portion starts with Robin. I'm just going to read a couple of things. It's two full pages, but it's more art and pictures. But uh, there's some uh, cool information here. Says Robin. He has been called a sidekick and the boy wonder, but despite his lowly label, Robin is truly a force to be reckoned (laughs) reckoned with and trained martial artist and excellent detective. Robin is nearly as adept as Batman at crime fighting. So this is primarily just for Tim Drake. There are some nods to uh, Dick Grayson. I believe there may be a Jason Todd mentioned here as well. So we will read this quote-unquote, together, and we could see just from the canon that we're normally associated with Batman how much of these things changed, and basically all the core characteristics of the characters are all here. It's just how they're being used in the Arkham universe, and I, I never had any problem with that. It's a called it, and in Elseworld, it's the primary canon for DC. It's I always felt like it's just shifted a little bit for its own narrative. But anyway, uh, Tim Drake is not the first hero to assume the mantle of Robin. Two others came before him. Dick Grayson is now a hero known as Nightwing, and Jason Todd later adapted the name in guise of a vigilante called the Red Hood. However, Tim is loyal to the Dark Knight to a fault, and has even married Batman's closest ally, Barbara Gordon, the heroine known as Batgirl. So this was something that a big portion why I read this. Some people were like, oh, Barbara Gordon's supposed to be with Dick Grayson. Yes, in main continuity. So some people would say, oh, Dick Grayson is a lot older. So it's almost like 
just from reading all of the comics from the Arkham universe and the information that we have in here, it's almost like Jason Todd dies, Tim Drake comes in, and Barbara Gordon is shot by the Joker in and around that time frame that Tim happens to be there while Barbara is going through the rehabilitation and becoming Oracle and their romance is kindled from that. So yes, I know that flies in the face of Stella back row to Oracle is probably flipping tables and Tom Panarese might be doing the same thing. But again, in the Arkham universe, why not have, it's, it's always nice when you don't know the whole story going through. So why not move and shift things just a little bit just to tell your narrative so that way the audience doesn't know step for step how things are going. So I never had a problem with that. Being a Tim Drake fan, I thought that was kind of cool. Some people should say, no, he should be with Stephanie Brown. No, he should be with Ariana. Yes, but we already have that continuity in the main continuity. So why not let Rocksteady do what they want and just embrace and going, this is a what-if tale. This is an Elseworlds tale. Why not have some fun with it? Let's see here. A particular set of skills. A Robin's abilities complement the Dark Knights. As Robin, he moves quite a bit quicker on his feet than his mentor and prefers a different set of weapons. During his time in Arkham City, he relies heavily on a shurikens rather than batarangs. And again, uh, some called shurikens, some called wingdings. I think actually... The wingding is Robin's, or excuse me, is Nightwings, and the synopsis I said Robin's, but the shurikens are Robin's, and the wingdings are Nightwings. So there we go. He rides heavily on shurikens rather than batarangs, and even uses shurikens of of a remote control variety. Robin also implies a bullet shield and snap flash grenades in battle. This little uh, entry says, Lone Knight, when the Arkham Knight rears his head in Gotham City and the Scarecrow threatens the Metropolis with his fear gas, Robin attempts to help Batman on his mission. Worried about his partner's welfare, Robin realizes that the Dark Knight has the Joker's poison still running through his veins. Robin does his very best to help, suggesting that Batman take a break from the fight, but Robin prefers to face the dangers head on, and we know kind of what happens there. And it lists Tim Drake... A real name, occupation, crime fighter. The height in the video game is five foot ten, weight 170 pounds. Hair is black, but yes, it's shaved to a very short buzz cut. Again, that's because of infiltrating the Penguin's uh, fighting ring. Eyes are black, and it lists his mask and gauntlets and his bow staff and bullet shield. Robin's bow staff is Robin's weapon of choice. So let's go over to the Nightwing entry here really quick. The original Boy Wonder and Batman's first partner in his war on crime. Dick Grayson has grown up and taken fight as a hero in his own right known as Nightwing. As one of the few living people on the planet who can boast that they have been trained by Batman, Nightwing is an expert martial artist in hand-to-hand combat and nearly rivaling his mentor when it comes to fighting techniques. Nightwing excels in areas that require acrobatic skill and agility. This leads him to develop his own arsenal, including a scream of sticks that carry electric current and wrist darts. So again, I actually liked this, that the Kyle Higgins did bring this into the new 52, that the scream of sticks did have the ability to have a shock put into them. I just thought that was a cool, a cool thing to have. And actually kind of makes sense for Nightwing to have this extra built in uh, security or not security, but a fighting style. Light Knight, part of a famous circus act named the Flying Graysons, young Dick Grayson 
witnessed the death of his mother and father when a local mob boss had them killed in order to extract money from the circus. He was raised by a sympathetic Bruce Wayne and his butler, Alfred Pennyworth. So Dick didn't have the same lonely upbringing as Batman, giving him a brighter outlook in life. Dick originally partners with Batman as Robin, but then begins to offer different ideas to how to combat criminals. So Dick assumes a new identity of Nightwing and decides to work alone. So a couple other little uh, factoids in here. It says Nightwing battles Black Mask during the time in Arkham City and brings the crime boss to justice after a vicious fight in the subway. So the subway scene, that DLC, even though the DLC was kind of centered around Robin when it first came out, as far as the book is concerned, that fight actually belongs to Nightwing. However, his prime concern is his adopted hometown of Bloodhaven, a shipping town not far from Gotham City. When the Penguin's arm deal begins to affect Bloodhaven, Nightwing heads to Gotham to partner with Batman once again. So, uh, again, some uh, data file details. Real name, Richard Dick Grayson, or Rick, boo. Uh, Occupation crime fighter. He is six feet tall and weighs in at 175 pounds. Blue eyes and black hair and talks about as a scream of sticks. I'm a Nightwing symbol. Is only is the only splash of color on an otherwise black outfit. So those were the, some of the things I wanted to read uh, really quick. And I do have one other character bio for Hugo Strange, since he is one of the other main uh, focus points of the story. Professor Hugo Strange, a doctor with a twisted moral code, Hugo Strange's quest for knowledge makes any experiment worthwhile to him, no matter how cruel the procedure is to the patient. One of the Dark Knight's worst enemies, Hugo Strange, disappears from the public eye, only to reappear as Mayor Quincy Sharp's personal psychiatrist right before the construction of Arkham City. Strange is intrigued by the criminal mind, but downright obsessed with Batman's. He has a personal interest in discovering the Dark Knight's secret identity, a feat that he manages to accomplish where others have failed. So a little bit of a strange history, it says here. Well, he has spent the majority of his life convincing the world that he is a trained medical professional and has even held self-help seminars, Professor Hugo Strange suffers from a psychotic episode that leaves him unable to tell fantasies from reality. When exploring Arkham City during the Joker's takeover, Batman learns more about the sinister doctor when he stumbles access into folders labeled Strange Files and discovers the Doctor's plans to erect Arkham City hidden in Warden Sharp, Warden Sharp's office. So I thought that was interesting that they put that little secret that you can find in Arkham Asylum when you spray paint, spray paint, when you use the gel on three panels in the Warden's office, you can blow apart the wall and find this secret layer that has strange files listed on it and see the blueprint for Arkham City. So that was a nice little foreshadowing to the game and something that they built into the story. Now, the data file here says real name Hugo Strange, psychiatrist is his occupation. He is five foot ten, weighs 180 pounds, eyes gray, hair gray. So it's weird that he gave him gray eyes. It should be probably hazel. Says the puppet master, when he becomes Mayor Quincy Sharp, The professional psychiatrist, Hugo Strange, is finally in a position of true power, using hypnosis and pressure to bend Sharp to his will. Strange is the main force behind the creation of the mega prison called Arkham City. That takes half of Gotham City's real estate when Arkham City finally opens. Sharp goes public with the association with Strange, 
But at that point, Strange's criminal past catches up with him, and he has been wiped clean. So, that was a little bit on our main characters here. And since some of this battle takes place in Wayne Manor, I kind of want to give you a little bit of that as well, just from the book, which I, I find a couple of these interesting. One of the fights is in the Grand Hall. And uh, the other is in the Batcave, and I'll read these uh, short little things really quick. So Bruce Wayne was, and this is in the Grand Hall. This is also part of one of the DLCs where you can fight some of the simulation and earn trophies and such. Bruce Wayne's vast childhood home has numerous impressive features. The Grand Hallway is a lofty ceiling, marble floor wall, elegantly decorated with ancestral pictures and imposing fireplace that sets the tone of the whole house. As a child, Bruce Wayne used to love to play in Wayne Manor's spacious, luxurious rooms. However, after the death of his parents, Bruce set aside his childish pursuits and Wayne Manor became just another facet of Bruce Wayne's disguise. I'll read the ballroom here as well. I find this one a little bit interesting. The Wayne Manor ballroom is a place that Gotham City's highest society is very familiar with. It hosted hundreds of events since its creation. Bruce Wayne holds many fundraisers and charities there and for good causes here as well. Although he would rather just cut a check rather than socialize with the city's elite. His status as a playboy philanthropist helps hide his true career as Gotham City's Dark Knight. So just a little factoid about Bruce Wayne. And again, I'll read just the intro for the Batcave here. Beneath stately Wayne Manor lies a hidden base of operations for Batman, a cave that not only allows the hero to dwell like his namesake, but houses some of the most sophisticated technology in the world. Batman is home in the shadows, so it makes sense that his true home lies in cold caverns of the Batcave, the subterranean layer formed within the network of ancient caves that can be accessed from several points inside of Wayne Manor. The Batcave also houses a array of Batmobiles, Batwings, computer systems, and Batsuits, all vital equipment that the Dark Knight requires on his crusade against crime. And speaking of bat suits, this was something I thought was really interesting. The with all of the suits that are available to you in all the various forms of DLC through uh, Asylum really only had one with the armored suit, but City and the Arkham Knight and even Arkham Origins really went as far as the DLC goes for the different suits in Batman's, you know, now 80-year history. So, I'll read a couple of these and I thought these were Really, they treat all of these suits as if they're real suits worn by Batman in game that every version of these suits exist. Uh, the I'll read the first appearance since we're talking about Batman's uh, 80th anniversary this year. It is said that the Dark Knight donned his original bat suit on the night of his first foray into crime fighting, equipped with an Art Deco utility belt, small purple gloves, a cape. And more simplistic bat symbol, this suit seems perfectly capable of striking fear into the hearts of suspicious, cowardly lots seeking to commit crimes in Gotham City. So I thought that was uh, pretty interesting. I'll read the Azriel, the Nightfall bat suit for Ryan, since he's not here. Um, I dig this one. From the onset of his career, Batman incorporated armor into his suits. However, this particular bat suit may be a tad bit overkill, including a spotlight capable of projecting the bat symbol on those he encounters. Utilizing razor-sharp claws and armed gauntlets, this suit resembles something like a vigilante like Azrael would be comfortable wearing. So, again, I thought that was cool that it was playing with the uh, notion 
that this suit is is in fact real. So I I, I dug that. So I'll read the main uh, write up for the Arkham City suit since this is the universe that this suit is in. The Arkham City suit, allowing for enhanced ease of movement, this version of the Bat suit is utilized by the Dark Knight when he investigates the situations inside the walls of Arkham City. It has less bulky utility belt than the Arkham Origins or the Arkham Asylum suit. The pouch belt houses a variety of gadgets while giving the Batman the freedom to perform necessary arsenal moves. So I thought that was uh, interesting as well. All right, that'll do it for our history lesson of Arkham Asylum brought to us by DK Books. So I dig these. I'm sure maybe some of you have these. If not, you can find them. I usually get mine from Books a Million, but you can get them from Amazon and different places. It's a great podcasting resource, and sometimes they're dumbed down. They're a little more simplistic in there. It's more basic information, but I always like how it's presented. It's tons of pictures and illustrations and some images from the video games or even just from comics that maybe you like are blown up a little bit, fold out pages. So I really recommend these. Uh, I'm a sucker for these. Every time they put an updated version out, I'm usually a sucker for getting one. And when they did the Arkham Universe one, this I, I had to have this one. I'm a big fan of the Arkham Universe. And I'm glad that uh, the voting went the way that it did, that we got a chance to talk about this issue. Speaking of which, Let's do a quick little overview of this, and I'll give you my thoughts on this issue, and uh, we'll call this show done. Oh, nice work. You really held your own just now. All right, just to start off here, I love these covers for the series. Now, like with a lot of things, sometimes the covers don't aren't indicative to what the actual art inside is. The art in this isn't too bad. David Farbery, if I'm saying that name right, the artist on the cover is Eric Nguyen, and I absolutely love this, uh, his art. He did, had done a couple covers, but uh, I love that Robin is right up front here in his Arkham City outfit, obviously. Now, I do prefer the Arkham Knight Robin costume over the Arkham City costume. The The top half of the costume, I think, works really well, but the bottom half is really cargo panty and that was a sticking point with some fans, so I was glad for the Arkham Knight. They redid everybody's costume a little bit. I actually think Nightwing's Arkham City costume is the closest to any comic counterbook part, with the exception of Batman. In the Arkham Knight, his costume got a really big overhaul. He almost had a half-cowled mask Nightwing did, but this Nightwing costume, as far as the game goes, and even in the comic, is pretty much on par for what the Nightwing costume would be. So I was kind of surprised that they gave Tim Drake a... a modded is the wrong word. They gave him a, a different look, and even though I'm fine with the shaved head, I would have preferred him to have a full head of hair, but in the gritty world the Arkham City is, and Tim's age being a little bit older, probably when he comes in to... Uh, Batman's fold, even though there are some accounts that Tim was at the circus, um, that all his history is there. But as far as when he joins, it's that's a little uh, muddled. And maybe in a future episode, we can pinpoint some of that a little bit. But uh, I like the almost almost a Sir Prince of Hugo Strange just uh, right behind uh, Robin. You got the Tiger Guards up front. There is a textless 
almost a virgin version of this. And just above where the Batman Arkham Unhinged logo is, there's a shot of the bat signal. And I just recently found this art, so I'm going to try to include that on Twitter. Maybe even in the show notes or the show artwork, I'll put that image in there. That's a, a beautiful piece. And yes, Terrence, I would put this as a poster, but there's some really good artwork just as far as the covers go. And again, some of the interiors, some are really good, and then some are a little lacking. It's one of those that they want to put a tie-in comic, so somebody like me is going to end up buying these. And I got to be perfectly honest with you, a big reason that this really kind of pulled me in that I bought all of the Arkham issues was to get as much Tim Drake Robin as I possibly could. Because with the new 52, let's be honest, Tim wasn't written very well at all. Some may argue that the Arkham version of Tim wasn't written all that better, but I actually think he was. He felt more like Robin than what the new 52 Tim Drake did. And I don't think that's, I don't think anybody will really argue with me on that part. So the uh, interior art, like I said, is by David Farbury, Farbury, if I'm even remotely saying that right. And again, it's just really weird to be flipping the book open and seeing ads for Man of Steel and Sears and all of these things. It's in theater June 14th. So again, it's a little bit of time traveling, not that our show isn't anyway, but just to know in 2013, we were just getting ready to start a DC universe that we didn't know existed at this time. So really cool. I won't belabor too much of this. Something that I said in the synopsis that I really like, and some people say, oh, the canon for you know the Arkham series is kind of all over the place. I kind of like that to a degree, that they're telling stories from different viewpoints or different settings within the game and going, oh, hey, this would be a really cool story to maybe tell adjacent to what's going on. And those are some of my favorite, like this story takes place while the game is going on. And what other characters are doing that we'd ever get to hear about. We get to follow Robin in one adventure when he takes the blood from Batman and goes to one of the hospitals. We follow Robin on that adventure while the game obviously continues on with Batman. So I like it when it does things like this. Uh, The narration at the very beginning of this is the narration that you are hearing in game. And if I can find that, I'll try and put that in the synopsis, and if it's not there, evidently I couldn't find it. So I like how it's playing with this linear time a little bit, but it's a little bit fluid. Like some things are happening before in game, and then you're getting things that obviously didn't happen. I think those are the stories that I really like out of this. And pretty much for this whole series is other things and other quests that while you're playing the game going, oh, I wish this this Mad Hatter story would have gone on a little bit longer or wow, we really got to the penguin a little bit earlier than I would have wanted to. It kind of stretches some things out. So some people say it works. Some people say it doesn't. I, I actually like it quite a bit. And something that I liked is just a little tiny blurb here with a captain Vincent Garrett that you actually see this guy in the, uh, what is it called here in the processing center? So when you go to, when you're on your way to go see Hugo Strange uh, at the end of the game, you fight some tiger guards. If you start checking some of the rooms, you will actually find the deceased body of uh, Captain uh, Vincent here. And I like that they put him 
in here, this is the same guy, like I said in the synopsis, that was in the first teaser trailer for Arkham City. So if you watch that, the monologue that he's giving at the beginning of that game, this this is that very scene. So uh, Derek Friedhoffs is the writer, and he wrote all of the issues up to 15. And if I have my notes correct here, and the woman that took over the remaining five issues was Karen Travis. And I liked what Derek Friedhoff was doing. Paul Dini had wrote the Arkham City prequel comic, those five issues, and those were really, really good. So there was part of me that was really hoping that Paul Dini was going to write the Arkham City expanded tie-in comics. I think my favorite out of all of the Arkham comics is the Arkham Knight comics written by Peter Tomasi, which is actually going to bear some real fruit if you're somebody like me that did read the Arkham Knight comics. I feel like I'm going to have a really good grasp of how Tomasi writes the Arkham Knight, even though in the game it's Jason Todd and in the comics it's probably, probably, it's not going to be Jason Todd. I think they've kind of said who he was in the game. That's not who it is. But I think as far as the voice of the Arkham Knight and the way that Tomasi wrote the Arkham Knight in the in the comic universe for the Arkham Knight video game, I think those same characteristics are going to be there. It'll just be, you know, a different person. But I like that they put this little Easter egg, if you will, that if you've been following the campaign for the game and you can see when you're playing the game, you walk into this room and you see this dead soldier here, you're now getting who this person is and it's letting you know, oh, this is that guy from a year ago when we were announcing the game, this is that same individual. So I thought that was a nice little touch here. And there's some really cool moments uh, that they put in here. And again, I'm apologize for the pages not being numbered. And if you're just listening to this at home, I'll try to do my best uh, to describe this. I think the art is clean by uh, Fabri, if I'm saying that right. Saying that right, I almost want to say Febreze. <laughs> I know that's wrong. But something he does very well, David, D-A-V-I-D-E, so I'm sure it's pronounced David. He has a great aesthetic for what the game looks like. So when you're flipping through this book, it looks if when you're in wonder city, it looks like wonder city. When you're in wonder tower, it's definitely wonder tower. I think they found the right set of artists for this. Now it's not said in the game at all, but it's nice that they add this into the story as well, that Arkham city was going to be the first step at their eventual global quest to rid the world of crime. If, again, that's a very league of shadows thing that spoilers, you find out in Arkham city that Rachel Ghoul is pulling all the strings, but they were going to go to Keystone City, Coast City, and Metropolis. And of course, we know that as the Flash, Green Lantern, and Superman. Let's see what else we have here. One of the ads that I'm seeing right here, again, to put this book, if you know, Man of Steel doesn't let you know where we're at, the Trinity War, one of the very first major conflicts written by Jeff Johns, Jeff Lemire, Ivan Rice, Doug Menke, and Michael Jan coming out June 13th as the uh, epic event that will destroy the world's greatest heroes. I don't think it really destroyed that much, but I did read it. It was in the pages of Justice League, Justice League America, and Justice League Dark. And other little things that they add that are from within the game. Let's see what page. Let's try to count here. One, two, three, four, five. Page six would actually be page seven. 
is a little insert panel at the very end of the Joe, excuse me, the Joker of Batman fighting the Joker and hammer and sickle in the carnival and Batman gets covered in the rubble. And then as Catwoman, you have to decide, are you going to help Batman or are you going to leave? And then if you leave that ends the game. So a little insert panel of Catwoman deciding she's going to help Batman and Hugo Strange is watching that. Uh, You get some other insert panels of Mr. Freeze, the Riddler and Poison Ivy from their time in Arkham Asylum and just some really cool world building things for Hugo Strange and other vantage points of where Hugo Strange was while all the events were happening in the beginning of Arkham City and then even some in Arkham Asylum and even farther out in between Origins and City. And you get all those in these next three or four pages. So my one of my favorite parts in the story is this next section of Hugo Strange sending the guards to Wayne Manor is not how it, it initially reads at the beginning. And some people are like, oh, it's not really happening. This event does end up happening, but it's actually a training exercise for Tim Drake. And I think it reads and plays very well as if this is actually happening. And this almost has an over the edge feel to it of, oh my gosh, you know, Hugo Strange knows who Bruce Wayne is, and he's sending the guards to the manor to attack whoever happens to be there, and they're going to capture Robin, they're going to capture Alfred, they're going to burn the manor down. Kind of has that uh, over-the-edge Batman animated series where you're in the Batcave and you're seeing all the stuff where it's supposed to be, nobody's ever supposed to infiltrate it, and bam, here the guards are. And I like that this is in here for the fact of playing the video game that you run through simulations in the Arkham video games for training, that you get to be Robin and Nightwing and Batgirl and Azrael and all the varying characters, even Harley Quinn, and play in the Batcave to a simulation. And that's what this whole thing is. This is, and the first time I read it, it is Tim Drake in his Robin costume, Sands the Cape. And I thought, well, this is really weird. Was he in the middle of suiting up when they breached the Batcave? And what you find out is he's just training and probably decided not to wear the cape. Now, aesthetically, I think just for the comic, I would have probably drawn him with it. But that might have been a little bit of an indication of this isn't really happening and happening. And this is why he is not wearing his cape and hood. He does deliver some great one-liners, and it's leading you to think that this has actually happened. So a couple of the zingers here from Tim Drake. Uh, You must have missed the no trespassing sign or the no firearms sign either, which, you know, little quips that the Robin character would typically give, although some of those are a little more Dick Grayson-ish, but Tim Drake would make some of those as well. I do like the little joke about the penny where he throws his shurikens and he's hiding behind the giant penny and says, just like a bad penny, I always turn up and he hits a couple guards. I like that he throws a shuriken at one point and hits the red button, the exact same red button that has the caution tape or the caution sign, if you will, for the Tyrannosaurus Rex. So if you're in the Arkham City Batcave, you can 
when you're doing the combat training, you can actually go over to this button and push it and the dinosaur will roar and it'll cause to startle some of the guards, which is a reward that you can get if your character is actually supposed to scare the guards in a, a specific uh, fighting style. I can't remember which character gets the reward. I think it might actually be Nightwing that one of his versions, depending on the difficulty level, is to scare one of the guards with throwing a shuriken and hitting the dinosaur to make it roar. So I thought that was uh, nicely added. The Batcave looks exactly like it's supposed to in the video game. Uh, something that's that they did add for this is Robin pulling down the giant Joker card that falls on top of the guards. There is no Joker card in the game, so that was a little bit of a uh, artist artist licensing there, if you will. So this is where we get the hint that, hey, this might not actually be the real thing, where Tim is getting overpowered. And a lot of these combat missions, which does turn stealthy at the beginning of it, that now just becomes a hand-to-hand combat. And there's really no hand-to-hand combat simulator for the Arkham game in the Batcave. Those are all stealth. So they add that bit to it. And Robin gets overpowered. They pick him up and they throw him down the stairs. And who's at the bottom of the stairs? It's Nightwing. Nightwing ends the training program. And like I said, Tim is trying to beat Dick Grayson's score in the Batcave. So this is where Hugo Strange is actually the person that I read the review to, and I won't say who it was. I don't think that they got this. They were really down on this part of the book saying, oh, it's basically a dream sequence. This really doesn't happen. No, this actually, in fact, does. They're not They're not infiltrating the cave, but they are coming to Wayne Manor. They break down the front door in their Humvee, and Robin and Nightwing now realize, no, this is not a train training simulator. This is a real thing. Everything we've been training for is leading up to this moment. Alfred is upstairs. We got to go upstairs, protect the manor, protect Alfred, and more importantly, protect Bruce Wayne, i.e. the Batcave. So I love this, that we move up into the main part of the house again, which this is right out of the video game. Now, we don't see Alfred in this capacity, but I like that. I think Alfred is written the most consistent from the video games to comics. They're, they didn't take any you know, liberties with the Alfred character. He's not... And he's not written as the bumbling, you know, butler either. I'm glad that they stuck with an Alfred that can fight. At one point, Nightwing loses it and a screamer stick during the fight. Alfred does knock out somebody with the screamer sticks. And Alfred is moving the boys through Wayne Manor, through a secret passage, a very same secret passage that you can do in Wayne Manor by sliding a bookshelf and you go down into another little room that's in here. So all these little things that I like that the creative team behind this book either played the game or they knew exactly what was going on to know that all of these things actually exist. And they're not aside from the giant playing card falling to the floor. Everything else is a hundred percent accurate to the game. And that goes through all the comics. Now, again, some of the timelines get a little muddled with the stories that they're telling. But as far as single issues, if you just read them and know, okay, this is in the Arkham universe. And 
I even looked at it. That's like reading normal continuity, reading Batman, Detective Comics, Justice League, Batman and the Outsiders, whatever version of the comic that happens to have Batman in it. You could have five or six different stories all in quote unquote continuity. And you go, well, how can Batman be in Egypt and be in outer space and trying to marry Catwoman and has a bat team? So at some point, you just kind of have to go with it. I think that's what they were doing with the Arkham Universe going, okay, here are the parameters of the Arkham Universe. We're just going to try and tell solid stories in this universe and we'll let the game tell its own timeline and where the comics can fit into that timeline or go, okay, it doesn't quote unquote make sense with what's going on in the game, but at least you can kind of use your own chronological order to go, okay, this would have to happen first before this. So uh, the sequence with Alfred and Robin and Nightwing is actually one of my favorites in the book. And Nightwing's pulling a grate off the wall, just like you would do in the video game. That's how they're going to crawl through. Nightwing says they must have a jamming device, which there is a jammer in the video game. And they first take him out like you would in the game so you could use your night vision. And (laughs) what I like here that Robin says, that means we'll just have to get dirty. And Alfred has a nice little joke here. Do stay clear of the China furniture, Master Timothy. For you, Alfred, I'll do my best, knowing that they're... They're going to break some stuff in here, which I thought was kind of cool. There's another little joke here in the library, which I didn't read that thing, but that's okay. Now, I wish you could have done this in the game, but they do add this little bit here where they're working their way. The Tiger Guards are surveying the library, walk past the piano. Robin swings in, kicks the guards into the piano. And this is a bad joke. (laughs) Uh, Robin says, I'm feeling charitable. Here, have a grand. Grand piano. Boo. I didn't say these were the <laughs> were the best jokes. And I like the turnaround towards the tail end of the book where Nightwing is now the one in over his head. Alfred radios Tim to come into the armory. And that is a playable map in the Arkham, Arkham City video game. And they brought it over into Arkham Knight. And Robin is able to save Nightwing, just like Nightwing, i.e. saved Robin in the simulator. And like I said, uh, Alfred takes out a guard right here, and we move towards the tail end of the book. And this is where the comic only has five more issues to go. So the comic is ramping up towards the end of its run, and things start lining up with the video game after there, even though Derek Friedoffs does not write the last final issues. And I do like, this isn't a beat. Again, this is something we don't get in the video game, but we get here in the book. And this, these are the things that really make me like these Arkham books even more is you get some character development from commissioner Gordon that he's fed up with how Arkham city is run. And even though you kind of sort of get some of that in the video game, that there is a lot more of Commissioner Gordon in these Arkham comics that as the series goes on, you know that he he realizes pretty quick that this he has to conform to what's going on. This is how it was voted in. But he's trying his very hardest to stay in the lines, as it were, or stay in your lane, bro. But I think by issue seven, he's very much hell-bent on, we got to find a way into Arkham city and start tearing it down 
from the inside, just as Batman is and is being a lot more liberal with what he is doing inside of Arkham City and is kind of starting to turn a blind eye when it comes to Arkham City because he knows this is not going to end well and it actually ends a lot worse than what Gordon predicts. And I wish I had that issue here, but he says how it can end at one point. I think that's kind of on the nose a little bit since I think the writers of the comic knew how the game was going to go. They gave Gordon some of that dialogue, but, but still it's nice for somebody like a commissioner Gordon to have that information rather than maybe it be Batman that says, Oh, this is how it's going to, you know, go down in, you know, Hugo strange is going to bring the city to the to ground and sharps the wrong person. Even though you get some of that in the game, I like that you get some of those moments from commissioner Gordon. That is pretty much it for this book. Like I said, it ends with the GCPD, at Wayne Manor, and they never really say, like, wow, all these Tiger Guards are unconscious in Wayne Manor, and there's no Nightwing, there's no Robin. At least there's no mention of them in the story. So Harvey Bullock and Commissioner Gordon are led to believe that it's just a series of booby traps in Wayne Manor and Alfred Pennyworth with a tray that takes down all the Tiger Guards. But like the game started with, it ends with a scene taken right out of the game of Batman being in between the glass with Hugo Strange in Wonder Tower. And so you could literally go play the game right after reading this book if you're at this current section and start the adventure right there inside of Wonder Tower. And that was something I read, I mean, it was probably a couple of years ago, but somebody had wrote down to play this part of the game, read these comics, then play this part of the game up to this point, read this set. That might be kind of fun to do to read the Arkham comics while you're playing the video game. And they do have some notations like, okay, this, these two events really don't coincide, but this is really, if you're trying to put all the issues in chronologically where they go, this is the only spot where it can be. And I'm, trying to tell you something that I can't remember what that is, but I remember there's one issue uh, specifically, and it actually happens a little bit more with the Arkham Knight a little bit, but uh, neither here nor there. So this was my way of getting an episode out to you guys. And it was really important for me to get an episode out just because we had gotten a really good reply or really good response rather from doing the BGSU Batman panel that Ryan and I both did. I can't wait for you guys to hear our presentations. I'm currently editing those as I'm finishing recording this up right now. It is Monday night at 8.30 p.m. So I've got to get this finished editing so I can give it to Dustin So by Tuesday so he can upload it for you guys on Wednesday. So... Fingers crossed, if you guys are hearing it on Wednesday, that I uh, got my deadline. So I didn't really want another two weeks uh, possibly to go by and there not be an episode in case somebody had gone to BGSU for the Batman conference and said, oh, I want to check out this Drake podcast and there's nothing for two weeks. It is a little self-preservation on uh, my part. And I had said something to Ryan and Terrence. I really want to get an episode out. And I was glad it's the Arkham video game. So we've got the BGSU, a Batman 
conference coming up on episode 92, if I have my episodes right. And then after that, by 93, if I got my numbers right, we'll be back in our current Tim Drake timeline and we will do the Underworld event, which uh, I'm really looking forward to doing that as well with Terrence and or Ryan both, hopefully. This is where we're going to put a pin in it for this episode. Thanks for listening to the BatmanUniverse.net. And more importantly, thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves a Drake. We will see you guys in a couple weeks. Take care. Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, so no infringement is intended by this show. This show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respected copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguins lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains because there are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can also email in at RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at thebatmanuniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media. Also, over at our host, TBU. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to thebatmanuniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care.